welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about the places women have been and the things they did there. This week, we're taking you to the reading corner. Because yes, people are traveling this summer, but I don't condone it. Yep, no, don't be me. Don't, don't go to, don't go to Memphis. (laughs) Well, I've just heard people are traveling to Mexico and they're traveling, like, doing whatever they can to get out of this country. And it's like, well, first of all, that's a sign. But second of all, um, but second of all, these people have no right to be forcing their way, uh, you know, into someone else's comfort zone. It's almost like uh, these kind of entitled Americans have no understanding of what boundaries mm, are. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> when Western expansion ends, we keep expanding. Always. We're still living in the times of <laughs> oh, great Alexander. Always expanding. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, I, I pretty much keep quarantined, like, 24-7 where I don't really leave my house. Um, but, like, all... There's only, like, two real places I'll go. One of them is, like, grocery stores. And the other one is Barnes & Noble. And you would be so surprised that the the place that has no boundaries is, like, Barnes & Noble. Like, I've been there and people have, like, walked right in front of me. One guy bumped shoulders with me. And, like, people in the beginning wouldn't wear masks in there. And they just, like, let Aww. their kids run around. I was like... How, I, well, like this is books <laughs> like hello like I like I think it's <laughs> this is books <laughs> like I think it's amazing that people are like flocking to bookstores but also don't be an asshole about it like <laughs> you know pretty much yeah the rule number one don't yeah, be an asshole like, okay Terry step away don't brush me and then cough a few feet away like fucking weirdo <laughs> I hate Terry now um, so yeah, we're going to talk about some books this week. Um, next week, we're going to have an interview on the, on the fire, around the fire. We're going to be talking about camping and backpacking. So there. And I, I will say I don't condone traveling, especially on an airplane. And I am a hypocrite because, uh, mid August, I'm going to be, if things go well, I'm going to be backpacking Mount Whitney. So at least you're like isolation from everything uh it'll be a group of four in total and then we're gonna go uh to an empty cabin and then hike up the mountain and then go back to that empty cabin and then leave just something i know about myself because morgan has agreed to share more because annika has encouraged it uh, no <laughs> i'm making you more human <laughs> <laughs> um something i know about myself is i like to control everything and COVID's a really good excuse to control everything. <laughs> to just, like, let that inner, like, control monster out and, like, have its way. Because the best way to protect yourself and the best way to protect everyone else is to try to control the situation as much as possible. Control the people coming in. Control, like, um, how things are done. Um, and so it's it'll be frustrating to get that little impulse you know tamp it back down (laughs) once we have a vaccine but for now it's like this is a skill that i have that usually no one likes i mean this is like the introvert's dreams for just like haha we've been preparing for this moment all our lives how many people will be there oh cool 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 that's too many all right that's yeah and that's a valid excuse four four is you (laughs) four is usually my limit anyways the perfect number is five people (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
even then I'm still like, oh, so many. <laughs> That's too many names. It's too many. <laughs> I keep t- like I've I've tried to explain to people like that I am somewhat introverted, and they're like, "But you're so friendly," and it's like, "Yeah," because I'm not afraid of people. I just know that they're going. There's no. There's nothing I can do about them taking all of my energy and running away. I'm not gonna <laughs> fight that. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I. I've always believed this about myself. We're like introvert extroverts but more of an introvert. So what that means is, from my definition, is, like, we need an hour to recharge after a day, like, complete silence. But we also get our energy from having deep conversations and meaningful conversations, which is, I think, why we talk to each other, like, every two weeks. <laughs> why we're both cool with this, yeah. Yes. Probably. <laughs> um, aw. <laughs> Special. If you would like to read more about introverts, I highly recommend the book uh, Quiet, The Secret Power of Introverts, which basically mm. flips a lot of those stereotypes about, like, being shy and, like, being antisocial. And it's like, no, that's not what an introvert is. It's, it's like you said, it's where you get your energy from. It's what, what you prefer doing when you're not around people um, and, like, how long you can maintain that comfortably. So it's those kinds of, like, really, I would say more subtle cues. Absolutely. You know what's an introvert dream? Reading books. There we go. (laughs) There's your segue. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Do you mind if I start? Yeah, go for it. Cool. So uh, my first book is Politically Correct Bedtime Stories. And I forgot to write the author's name, so I'm going to redo this part. I, I will say this. I never remember an author's name. I always remember the book title. I don't know. I don't know if that's like a mechanism, so like... Later on, if the author's awful, I can just associate the book without the author. Or I'm just really dumb. Um, I had a really interesting conversation recently about the death of the author versus the death of the uh, story or something like that. And it was in... Does have to do with J.K. Rowling? It was! It ah, absolutely was. How did I know that? Because I think that you can keep the story separate from the author. And my friend was like, no, because then you just are killing the author, so to speak. And they're like, right to their story. And I was like, but it's my story. Anyway, it's a whole long debate that we don't want to get into right now because there's no right answers. Don't be an asshole. Yep, pretty much. Just, I don't know. My, my two cents is a book is your own experience. No one can tell you how you can experience it. So one of my favorite things I'll say to uh, literature people at college, because I only took one literature class because I knew I don't vibe with those people. And so everyone was like, I really love this book, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I hate this book because I hate the author's like writing tone. And they're like, why do you hate the book? What do you mean you don't like the author's writing voice? I'm like, I just don't like it. So I don't like it. I'm, I'm that picky with books. <laughs> Voice is a really big thing for me, like voice and grammar, where I pretty much immediately check out if I, like, I I didn't read Hunger Games, okay? I didn't. I didn't either. I'll admit it now. I didn't read it Openly either. Openly to the world. <laughs> I didn't read Hunger Games. I read the first chapter, and I made my friend Emily tell me the entire plot because I was like, there's no way. It's there. See, I just, Truth I just read the Wikipedia page, so that was it. <laughs> I'm with you on that, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, right, so my first book is Politically Correct, Bedtime Stories by James Finn Garner. Uh, it was pretty, uh, it, I think it came out in 2008, 2009, so it was pretty on the woke side, so to speak, as in this was before woke was a word. Um, this was when old people were complaining about having to be PC about everything, because all these snowflakes are sensitive. That kind of, you know, the good old days. Um, and then it just gets, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I love how you stopped yourself. You're like, mm, no, tangent. <laughs> Sorry, 1994 is when it came out. But it features, so it basically takes all of the old bedtime stories. Um, it rewrites several words, so that's where I got the uh, women spelled with a Y spelling, because um, at the time that was the most feminist option. Um, and Yeah, and it hadn't been taken over by TERFs yet. And... Um, it's actually, you know, it was nice. It was funny. Um, it didn't take it, like, too seriously. Um, but it also didn't take it, like, over the top. Like, it talked about ableism with the dwarves. Um, and how, you know, they had built, like, uh, better buildings for themselves in the mines. Uh, it talked about uh, empowered princesses. Like, one empowered princesses that are liberated from social expectations like one character starts a solo music career because she's got such golden pipes and she's like hell no i'm not gonna marry you and she moves to la (laughs) and she uh she (laughs) sells some some records and that's pretty cool um and it, it was just fun like it's it was fun it was uh modern and it it really kind of brought a tone to how I want to approach these uh, these issues, you know? Like, how do we handle civil rights and how do we handle feminism? How do we ha- handle class, um, class issues while maintaining our humanity and not being uh, the, the, I guess, stereotype of unpleasant intelligentsia who have to correct you and being the pedant about it? I also think it's, it's really smart because... I think as a society, we learn a lot of our moral cues from fairy tale books, anyways. Absolutely. About, you know, like, oh, the prince always saves the princess, and, like, the dwarves are slaves, pretty much, for Snow White, whose only purpose is to, like, take care of her, which is, like, not okay. <laughs> um, so I think that's really smart that they, they use fairy tales to. Uh, approach these really hard t- topics. Yeah. And I think in conjunction to that, there, of course, have been a lot of retelling of story tales. Um, story, story tales. Fairy tales. There's been a lot of retelling of fairy tales. Uh, a lot of the time, the princesses get sort of forgotten. Um, so in contrast to that, Terry Pratchett writes several times about fantasy stories that are in common uh, knowledge. And he hardcore disses on the princes and princesses like he is not about monarchies (laughs) but but you know a lot of them are like characters that are just like forgotten about or just like immediately dismissed they're not part of his stories and his fantasies and that i i love it um but it is because i will say it's more difficult to look at them and be like okay how do i bring value to this story rather than how do i just dismiss this story completely so, two different approaches. I love them both, but um, I think politically correct bedtime stories is just really nice, regardless of your age. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in, in reading it for sure now. So, my first book that I picked is called Love Letters of the Great War, 
and it's a collection of World War One letters between either like soldiers and soldiers or mother and son or daughter and father or even um, spouse to spouse and it's really cute and also there's some like really heavy tones because sometimes they'll they'll say like uh, at the end of the letter what happened to them and there are a few of them where like they die and you're just like ah, my heart Aww. so this book came out in 2014 it's by Mandy Kirkby um, and I was immediately intrigued because that's one of the things that I love um, collecting is like postcards because I like to see how people travel and communicate uh, through the ages um, and one of my favorite ones that I read in the in the book was I still think about it all the time because it's so cute so because during the first world war there was a lot of like rations that had to go on so he would get a, a letter from his wife and he would write his responses around the margins of her own writing and like put like if she asked a question he would like answer in really tiny writing right next to it and it's so cute because he was saving paper um and i think that's just also really endearing to see like immediately like the response one after the other and it's just like ah it's so cute and he survived so that was good it's just like they had three wonderful children after the war and i'm like yes is there a lot of subtext reading in that where you're just like, ooh, I wonder what that means. Like, take care of Henrietta. And you're like, is Henrietta a person or chicken? <laughs> um, I I think it's been a couple of years since I, like, read it. I don't think I really read it with subtext, but now I'm like, hmm, maybe I should. Well, Especially yeah, because immediately I, I was like, like people ooh. don't really come out and just be like, hey, let's get down and dirty. People are like, I would just thinking about the petunias today and like that's supposed to cue something true i think war also just makes people just very brutally honest anyways that's fair okay um like oh <laughs> this is not has to do anything with the book but it's like my favorite thing about why napoleon bonaparte is just a gross guy so like during, during war he would send letters to josephine and one of them he wrote is like, I don't want you to bathe for a week because I want to smell your essence when I come home. Oh, yes. I remember hearing about this. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so, And I also think Nasty. there's probably so many letters during the great I mean, war. no stink shaming. Yeah, no, but... no. St- like, to each their own, their own kink. Come on, that was a good pun. Get oh, out I'm of sorry. here. <laughs> you can just cut me out of that. No stink <laughs> no shaming. No stink shaming. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, I think during the Great War, there's like so many letters she could have picked from. So I think she might have picked ones that were like really cute, or yeah, or stories that she could actually try to follow. Um, so in terms of like knowing where their history is and stuff like that, and so then she can give us an actual full ended story and not just be like, "But what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. So, yeah, it's a really heavy book. There's some parts where I was, like, crying because I was like, no, Aww. he's dead and he has a five-year-old daughter. <laughs> but it's, I think it's also a really beautiful thing to, like, read humanity during, like, a great struggle. Kind of like what we're going through right now, you know? 
um, and seeing how people really depend upon communication to like stay in touch, which is also what we're doing right now. <laughs> Damn, that's pretty wonderful. <laughs> It's very cute. I would, I would 100%. Uh, so speaking of, I would say this is a pretty cute book. I wouldn't say it made me cry. Um, so my next book is No Ordinary Lives by David Johnson. The subtitle is One Man's Surprising Journey into the Heart of America, which 100% I'm sure the publishers were like, we want that. Because, um, like, the rest <laughs> of the book does not have that kind of tone. This was a journalist who was working for the Lewiston Tribune. I believe he started in the 70s or 80s. That's a decade off. It's fine. <laughs> same thing. 60s and 70s same, are the same thing. This is a long, long time ago. When, back when records were still a thing. That's a safe one. That's a safe bet. Uh, so he worked for the Lewiston Tribune in Lewiston, Idaho. And he wanted to do exposés on, quote-unquote, like, ordinary people. Uh, so he would just kind of travel around, um, go into different parts of Idaho, small uh, towns um, with, like, very few people left or, like, cities, and he would just flip through the yellow pages and then um, call someone up and be like, hey, you want to tell me your life story? We'll publish it. <laughs> and and he didn't care about age or anything like that. Basically, whoever answered the phone, if they said yes, he would go and spend an hour or two talking to him. And so he had people, you know, that literal, like, 8 to 80 spectrum mm -hmm. uh, were stories that he had. So he even had, like, these, this story of, like, these two uh, boys who wanted to talk about their lives. There was an old couple who, uh, it was a town that was becoming a ghost town because um, whatever the, the resource they were pulling had dried up. Um, and they, this couple ran the grocery store. So they were in their 80s, and they were like, well, uh... Not really sure what we're gonna do, because this is all we know how to do, and this is all of our life. And and um, I I would say that similar to your book, it didn't really feed into the despair of it. Mm -hmm. It was just like this is how it is. This it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was just it's a really nice book. I love its approach to journalism and interviews, and it it was pretty much the like seed to this podcast and what I wanted to do with it. Um, because I, the, like the whole thesis of it is that like no one leads an ordinary life. Everyone has these kind of really complicated and beautiful stories that are threaded throughout. Mm. And even the worst kind of person could have something um, to their story that's uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the best kind of person who seems really nice all the time also has complex things going on. So that's what I want from journalism. I just want to talk to normal people or quote unquote normal people and <laughs> acknowledge that there's no such thing as a boring life. Yeah, I like that a lot. Hey, it's me. I'm here with some show notes. So first of all, I want to say thank you for listening. Um, we are taking a quick cat break as a cat has walked across the microphone at this point in the recording. The music is by Tri Trekion on SoundCloud. Uh, that'll be available in the show notes. Along with that will be all of the books that we talk about in this particular episode. If you like what you're listening to and want to sponsor me, uh, feel free to go to women travel at patreon.com. Uh, women is spelled with an X. If you can't, if you don't want to, that's a-okay, man. But I would really appreciate it if you like this show and wanted to share it with friends because, um, that's really what I'm making it for. Not in it for the bucks. Because it's not hunting season. Yep. Anyway, back to the show. Uh, you can start with this is, uh, the... 
this relates to why you wanted, why you convinced me to do an episode on books. Do this uh, Even though we acknowledge okay. that that is not the point of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I convinced Morgan to do this because I'm a book book fanatic i love getting recommendations of books and i also think it's really interesting how you can find travel in books either in terms of you picking up a fantasy novel and traveling out of your current situation or a nonfiction story and learning um people other people's challenges and struggles and triumphs and also even like picking up a travel guide and like seeing what people recommend I think it's just really interesting um and I I want to talk about like there's a huge stigma behind reading which I think is just really weird because I I asked you this you confirmed it Morgan don't act surprised (laughs) because I asked you one of my questions is like what do you consider real reading and you said nonfiction books oh did I uh, that's fair. My opinion keeps swinging back and forth. <laughs> so my my opinion of books is if you're doing any type of reading, you're reading. Because um, the statistics is like, a, I think it's like 50% Americans do not pick up another book after graduating high school. That's terrible. Um, yeah, which is crazy. So if you're reading after high school, like, congratulations, you're like, one of the good population um and i think that's also like a really good discourse of why our country is a little wonky it's because no one's wanting to read or change their opinions or whatever um and so i have this passion of like trying to encourage people to read and so for me what i consider reading is like children's books comic books um even academic journals or if you're reading like a Twitter news feed like you're doing some active reading that changes either your mind or you're just absorbing more information and so I'm like I have my own prejudice of reading like I don't really like uh young adult fiction like it's not for me and like I stay away from that section but my girlfriend is a huge young adult like reader like that's all she reads and I'm like oh but you know that's why that's my own stigma with it And so I think having a frank conversation about reading is really important. It's one of my passions. um, Oh, yeah. To, to, you know, encourage people to kind of, like, broaden their horizon, which is something we're trying to do in this podcast. (laughs) I really appreciate that, Uh, because that's a really good point that I hadn't considered. The way I was thinking of it more was that, like, my approach to reading... um, is is different because if I'm reading nonfiction, I'm looking for something. Um, but if I'm reading fantasy, I'm I'm often very passive about it. Like I'm like, this is nice. Um, but I will say that there there is some fiction that I've read. Like I recently repicked up um, Practical Demon Keeping by Christopher Moore. I highly recommend Christopher Moore if you can handle like how nasty that boy gets. Um, then it's worth it because this is the kind of guy who like read all of Shakespeare and then made a a book uh, a novel about the jester um of the court that like references all of that information (laughs) I love yeah and so I was uh looking through or going through like the opening of Practical Demon Keeping and trying to understand how he uh like basically outlines um 
how he presents a whole bunch of characters, like a large cast of like 10 or so characters are in that book. And how he presents every one of them is like, um, at first he presents like a, the, the, excuse me, the inciting incident. Um, someone dies. Someone dies at the beginning of all of his books, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> really, the beginning of a Christopher Moore book is me going, is someone going to die? Is someone, now? 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 Is it this person? Or is it going to be that person? Or is the person already dead? Uh, and then he spends, like, probably five minutes or so, because this was an audiobook, on the location itself and made some really good jokes about, wait, like, just how places change and especially it was making fun of California and how it was like used to be a whaling place and it was super gross and nasty and then they were like oh we can put little like clean it up and then make it a tourist trip and it like it's absolutely satirizing that um but in the most intelligent like very intelligent words um but it's all like (laughs) explained in a guidebook but if like the guidebook was honest um, yeah, <laughs> and it, and then it goes into the characters and just the way that I didn't really pay attention to how he was conveying this information. I was passively just like, ha ha, that's funny, and like, <laughs> but you know, when you when you're able to look at how someone writes and deconstruct it, you, it was one of the rare times as an adult that I've had like pleasure from like being analytical about a a fantasy book um, because of how much work was clearly put into it. It was done so well that I didn't notice it, though, you know? So um, I don't know what the point of that tangent was, uh, but I hope it helped someone. No, I I think I know what you're getting at because we dismiss, like, kind of... The, the approach, I think we kind of dismiss, like, fiction, and I, I dismiss, like, young adult fiction, and poetry, well, not so much poetry. Love poetry. Um, love poetry and, like, high fantasy as, like, kind of, like, frivolous writing, but in actuality, like, those are purposeful stories that are trying to take you on a journey, and the author's trying to convey a certain message or feeling or sometimes even political like I love when like the author like slips in like little things and you're like oh I can tell which political party you're affiliated with based on this um and so it's just like I think if you read something and get a message out of it then then it's done its job if you've learned something new if you find a new viewpoint like you were talking about through you know this kind of comedy jester like field novel um then the book did its job and i would i i think in regards to that just good fantasy is hard to do um so it's arguable that like good fantasy doesn't always do its job or like like bad fantasy is just like not doing its job and no i don't know what i'm saying here so i'm gonna cut this part out (laughs) Uh, well, I, I, I think I have a way to save it just a little bit, because also when you're talking about the book, I'm thinking of uh, Lord of the Rings, the series, and how, like, yes, it's a fantasy novel, but there's heavy, heavy um, allusions to, like, religion, but also um, J.R. Tolkien is a World War One vet. 
and a lot of his experiences that he had in World War One, he also put into the book. So even though it's a fantasy book, if you read it, you will get some sort of experience of what it was like during World War One. If you read it through a different lens. <laughs> I love your thinking face because you're like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. <laughs> I just don't know if that's the same thing as what I was trying to say. That was just a fun conversation for you and me. Hell yeah. So my second recommendation is In the Land of Armadillos by Helen Merrill's Shankman, which came out in 2016. And it's funny because I recommended a World War One book and now this is a World War Two book. But I think this book is very unique because it addresses a different perspective we don't usually see in World War Two novels which is it's not based from an american soldier's viewpoint or britain or france or germany it's from the perspective of jewish people throughout uh eastern europe and their um struggles during the world war ii so uh and it's historical fiction so it's truths told through like short stories um and it's an anthology so one of the the main one is like a ss soldier rescues in quotation a uh male painter from one of the death camps and has him painting his nursery for his kids in the house and he's like trying to drag it out and be like look i'm saving your life by keeping you here and it's the painter's perspective going you're not saving me. You're literally just keeping me a prisoner. And like, and I know as soon as this is finished, you're going to send me back. And so it's like, they're very complicated relationship of like an SS soldier be like, but look, I'm saving you. I'm one of the good ones. And the Jewish guy going, no, no dude. Rago. <laughs> you're absolutely. It seems like a really good story about self-worth. Mm hmm. And how, like, other people see you versus... In terms of stereotypes. Sure. And how, like, you see yourself. And it's all about that. And one of my favorite stories is, like, she was inspired by a true event that happened. So, there in Jewish folklore... Um, Golem? Yes, Golem. Thank you. So, in Jewish... Dude, I had no clues. <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> I know. One Jewish folklore. Yeah, perfect. Because I was Monster. in my head, it was like, he's made from clay. He's made from clay. Um, so, there's, uh, there's a woman working on her farm just before World War II is, is hitting. And they're struggling, and the Germans start to invade, and they take over her farm. And eventually, like, her parents are taken one by one. And to keep the farm going, she uh, summons a golem to help her, like, uh, work on the farm. And it's very interesting because she, like, falls in love with the golem and the golem kind of falls in love with her. But um, this is based on a true story where uh, she was captured by a bunch of German soldiers and a lot of, like, the Jewish people and her village and they started marching them into the forest to go shoot them but something happens and like reporters later went on into the forest and found uh german shoulders hanging from their entrails and trees and just like a bloodied massacre 
and people are like how did this happen so the author decided to write this as like the Gollum's perspective of saving the Jewish people from the forest and being killed and like buried in a in a mass murder grave and like him absolutely just like killing all these German soldiers and saving their lives and at the end he like melts because like he fulfilled his purpose and it's just like I got goosebumps just talking about it because I like love it so much um and it's just like really cool perspectives that you don't normally see in like historical fiction because it's always like I'm an American soldier and I'm here at Auschwitz here to save all them Jews you know (laughs) which is fine which like it happened but at the same time it's like it's okay we don't need another gun-ho American savior sorry like give me a golem that (laughs) rips out the entrails of German soldiers plus I really love underdog stories May I say my third book? Yes. No, you cannot. Yes, say your third book. My third book is Bow First, Ask Questions Later. The subtitle is Ordination, Love, and Monastic Zen in Japan uh, by Justin Claire Greenwood. She um, goes from California to live in Japan for, I believe it's a total of eight years, but it could be longer. And um, the reason I'm recommending that book was because it was one of the first travel books that I read First of all, by a woman. Um, That was like the whole book. Uh, And then second of all, it was a woman who was able to travel by herself. And also, it's one of the very few memoirs I've ever read where they're like, you probably shouldn't do what I did. (laughs) I love those. Like, that's kind of the whole, the whole, not the entire vibe. The whole vibe is, uh, you know, sharing culture, how cultural differences are passed on, how there's basically sexism everywhere. Um, But it's, yeah, it's not trying to push anything on you. It's just saying, this is what I did. And this is what it was like. And it really, for me, so relating to that, excuse me, I'm going to, so relating to that, have you ever read the comic book The Sandman by Neil Gaiman? I, I've read, like, the first two volumes. In one of like the that. books, I believe it's the third book, he, the narrator, is talking about this tribe in Africa, and they're about to take this uh, young man out into the desert, and he's going to go do his first hunt. And there's this throwaway line that has haunted me. And it goes, as the women tell the women's stories... Mm. and immediately I was like the fuck does that mean (laughs) hold on and then I realized like of course there is a whole alternate world that's not in literature that's not really expressed anywhere except Mm -hmm. for where women hang out you know like around the kitchen around the table around the living room just kind of chilling for a bit and that has has also like stuck with me and this is a really good example of what women talk about the way that women talk about things it's not about overcoming or just like it's not about hitting the problem with a hammer it's usually about how things worked out or most of the time their stories about things not going as expected like as I listen to my female family members as and as I listen to uh, my female friends talk about things like when they just get into that storytelling mode what are they talking about and I can say it's different from what men talk about I think it's usually a lot more humble and about like oh I made this mistake and then this is how it turned out and it's usually a lot 
it's it's ordinary stuff a lot of the time as well it's not like i was summoning this mountain and then i caught a bird like <laughs> i don't know but but that's what a lot of guys talk about is because they're you know without even knowing it they're trying to one up or they're trying to like come up with something that's like a big fish story and i i of course everyone has their different linguistics but i've always been trying to find what does that mean like the women's stories um and i think this is just a really good example of of how a modern day woman tells her story yeah that's really interesting because i think there's several books about like stories about women talking in the kitchen about like the privacy of their kitchen and like how that's their safe haven in quotations people um but yeah i don't know that's really interesting i don't know if i contributed anything meaningful to that you nah you just validated yeah (laughs) you did it beautiful i'm like i don't even know what to say to it like that's perfect (laughs) it's something that i like again another seed i want to plant in people's minds is just like try to consider what a woman's story is how do women speak differently why is it different and the moral of their stories what do those express you know what do those show as a higher priority and i think that the longer i pay attention to that the more i think i can learn from those questions so as well she like i said she talks about religion um and uh Jessen Claire she does a lot of things of her own agency was the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh when she left the monastery she was a nun and then she went to uh with this tour group because she spoke English and mostly spoke Japan Japanese so um with this group she went out to a bar with them and met this guy and so she went and hung out with that guy and they were all like, oh, but you're a nun. You're not supposed to do anything sexual. <laughs> it really explored a lot of that agency that comes with maturity, especially as a woman, where you realize you don't have to play any individual role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had another friend reinforce this actually on this podcast, Ash Shope. And she expressed it as like, I can be all of these things. Like I can be a Buddhist and I can eat meat and I can have a thriving sex life and I can have um, like a, a, I think she was working towards like a neuro uh, biology, neuro, it was brain and therapy uh, degree. And like, she can be all of these things. Um, And that I think is just a, a thing that I constantly remind myself of. And that was also expressed in this book originally where she was like, yeah, I can be a nun and I can have sex. I can be from California and I can follow Zen Buddhism. Like I can be all of these things that I want to be. Damn. This is making me think about like how I viewed my own life right now, because like one of my complaints I always have is like, I have so many passions and interests and I don't know which one to pick. And now like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I could, I could do all of those things. I'm like, Oh, there's my answer <laughs> right there. And I, oh. that's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like there's so many things that I want to do. And basically if you give yourself the permission to do them all, the things that you love the most will bubble up and they will solidify as like the deeper passions. So saying no from the get go, it's just doesn't make any sense because your, your own, subconscious will basically start saying no at some point and then you'll be like okay i guess that's not for me 
I'll go on to this other passion. Damn, Morgan, you just changed my mind today. <laughs> books! Books! It's the power of books of what? <laughs> and I read a ton of books, but I'm still learning. <laughs> um, I really love that you brought up, like, the um, uh, stories of, like, women in, like, a kind of underrepresentative uh, group. Because my last book recommendation is called The Raven Steals the Light by Bill Reed from 1996. And it's a mythology of the, I'm going to say this wrong, the Haida uh, indigenous. How's it spelled? H-A-I-D-A. Thank you. Um, Haida people who are indigenous to uh, Canada. And it's their folklore. So they're, I think they mostly live on the coast because a lot of the stories have to do with fishing. Um, and so I got this book because I traveled to Canada in January as a, yay, you graduated college. Here's your fun trip. <laughs> and Gunnar and I took a ferry for like two hours. And that was super fun. I fell asleep and Gunnar was like, you were snoring so loud on the ferry boat. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Um, but we went to the... Uh, we went to a museum. <laughs> it's the... I think it's just, like, the Victoria History Museum. And they had, like, a, a huge section on uh, First Nation languages and, like, the way the different tribes, like, say hello and stuff like that. Yes. I was very excited about this topic. Oh, it's so beautiful. And they have, like, a whole section where you, like, they show the hunting, the clothes, and they even have, like, the chief's house that they've built in a room that you can walk in and, like, for, like, um, not ceremonies necessarily, but, like, it just feels so sacred when you walk in. You're just like, oh, it's so cool. So one of my favorite things to do when I go to, like, a really impactful museum is try to get a book. Um, because it kind of, there's like two symbolisms. One, like I get to learn more about the thing I just learned at the museum. And two, it's a way for me to track my travels that I've done. So that's one of my favorite things to do is to find like either a secondhand bookstore or a museum and try to find a book that will help me remember where I've been. And so the Raven Steals Light kind of has like a mixture of the first book you mentioned in the last one where it's like it's comedy mythology because it's about a raven that just like gets into so much trouble but he like starts life in his shenanigans Ooh. so like how they they talk about how like in the beginning there's only like these half creatures that were only men and so uh, they didn't really know what was going on so what the raven did is he threw oysters that clamped onto their um penis and essentially like they were confused and <laughs> uh, you know as things transpire they impregnated the oysters which then like uh exploded and the uh, modern man and woman were born from that which is why like they're so connected to the ocean uh the haiti or haida people i think that was just so interesting and it was the raven just be like haha i wonder what this would happen Funk. <laughs> and he just like gets into other troubles where he's like i got in the ocean and uh, a creature just ripped off my beak and i have no mouth and like in the story like they write him with a lisp and it's just it's so funny 
but it's like telling these really creative like not creative but like a different creation myth that you know a lot of western civilization is like the bible is the ultimate creation myth but like here's a raven that's like technically god just like running around and getting into shenanigans oh i like that um it's so fun and like the drawings are really funny too um so i highly recommend reading it but the same thing as you were talking about with the the memoir the last page really messed me up because i was just like oh my like damn like this book was haha funny you know it's like this is a deeper conversation i was like oh so at, at the end it goes these are only a few stories that we were able to collect because our history is passed on orally and by the time we were able to like get past like the white man's uh, spreading of our people a lot of our beloved storytellers have died so this is only half of our history and i was like oh damn I was like, it's so sad to go from like uh, the raven talking with the lisp and no beat to like our our history was eradicated from us. This is the remains. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, my heart. Um, yeah, I love that book. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, what do you say to that? Like, at the end of this book that makes you laugh, and you're like, this is so funny, and then you're like, oh, there's like a really huge political message to this It's at the end of this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a political, it's like, uh, it's so honest, and, and like, not... <sighs> Dude, it fucking sucks that this happened. <laughs> like, like, I and and there's really nothing. It's one of those things. Like, the the responsibility of our society really should be that like, this happened. There's nothing we can do about it except yeah. that, and then move forward, humbled by this gigantic mistake of our forefathers. Mm-hmm. But people won't do. <sighs> <laughs> You're pretty much having the reaction I had after I read the book. And that was just me talking yeah. about it. So, so I should read you this should, book. You should find the book yeah. and actually read it, Morgan. Yeah, I should. It sounds great. Uh, yeah. it, it's so funny. I love myths like that, too. Like, origin myths are, are definitely one of my favorite kinds of stories. Because there's no, you know, there's no rules. Just anything you want to talk about. <laughs> that... Uh, I, that's, yeah, Miss for me has a very special place in my heart because that's when I, like, really started to love reading is when I picked up, like, a mythology book from my elementary school and I was reading through it and I was like, all these gods of, like, history? <laughs> like, this is kind of cool. And one thing that I love about the Greek and Roman gods is, like, they're so human. Like, they can live and die, but also they just make stupid mistakes like everyone else. So, like... Ha ha ha, I had an affair, now you turned the, the, the new mother of my son into a widow, because you got jealous, like, into actual spider. 
Um. <laughs> Let's yeah, because if you compare that, because so a lot of Greek and, and Roman myths, a lot of mythology is just like a lot of people who take themselves too seriously. Like that's a huge part of it. Um, and I think that's kind of why I was so stunned by the mythology you were just sharing in, in um, this tribe in Canada because they're fun. People can be fun. <laughs> can you believe it? I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like even when things are, I don't know, boring and you've got some half creatures roaming around, like you can still do stuff and you can still have fun. And you can still entertain yourself. And that's, I think the most human quality is the person who laughs at a funeral, <laughs> which is me. Yes. I love that. Anyways, how are we going to end this? I don't know. Books. Books. That's what's for dinner. All right. I, I, that, that book gave me a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. Uh, I hope everyone out there is staying safe, wear your mask, and uh, don't fly in airplanes if you can help it. Please. Don't fly, yeah, don't fly airplanes and pick up a book without any guilt. Just sit back, relax, read something new. And a, a lesson from Zen is um, accepting your circumstances is pretty much the first step to living a peaceful life. <laughs> so just chill out, dudes. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's helpful. Anyway, yes, wear a mask and we'll see you on the... Okay. Wear a mask, and we'll see you September 1st. Okay, see you guys later. Bye!